This is Science Friday. I'm Ira Flato. Later in the hour, what you need to know about monkeypox. But first, the must-see space story this week. I'm talking about the deep space images from the James Webb Space Telescope, JWST. As I say, this week, the first images from the telescope, sitting a million miles out in space, were unveiled, and they were spectacular. Joining me now to review the slideshow is Amber Strawn, astrophysicist at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland. She serves as the Deputy Project Scientist for James Webb Space Telescope Science Communications. Welcome back to Science Friday. Good to have you. Thank you. It's great to be here. What a week. I'll bet. Have you come down yet? <laughs> Not really. I still feel like I'm floating on clouds a little bit or maybe on a nebula. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's float just a bit more. Would, would you do that for us? We're seeing planets of our solar system now coming out from NASA. What's so unique about them and why should we be interested in them? Right. Well, this this sort of shows a really interesting thing about the telescope, because Tuesday we got the first five images. And here we are just a few days later, and we can see there's already more new images out. And so these uh, some of these first views of Jupiter are just incredible. Um, I actually saw these several weeks ago when they first got taken. Um, and I was I was floored. I mean, <laughs> uh, it just proves that we can do almost everything with this telescope in terms of distance. You know, we can see objects within our solar system all the way out to the most distant regions of space. Let's talk about the, the first pictures. We've all seen them by now. We have them up on our website at sciencefriday.com slash JWST. I know you study how stars and black holes form in distant galaxies and how these processes change over time. So give me an idea of what the images you see from JWST can tell you about the formation of the stars and black holes in the universe. Yeah, so this is just a first look, so I haven't had a chance to actually dig into the data yet. But you can see, just by looking at these images, hints of what is going to come. For example, in the, um, the cluster image, the deep field, um, of course, everyone there is focusing on the little red dots scattered across that image, uh, which are some of the very, very distant galaxies, which is one of the primary things JWST was designed to find. And this image proves we can do that. But what my eyes are immediately drawn to is all of the galaxies that we see that are not quite as far away, but that are, you know, these stunning details, these really interesting morphologies, the shapes of the galaxies. And what we see is that we're going to be able to study these types of galaxies at a further distance in ways that we haven't been able to before. This is going to help us piece together how galaxies change over time, and ultimately how the universe sort of evolves over time. Go into that a bit more. Give me a scientist's eye view of exactly the kind of things you could learn and what you would be looking for. Sure. So uh, part of what I study is um, I'm interested in galaxy mergers when galaxies collide and how that process of galaxy interaction sort of impacts the overall evolution of galaxies over time. If you think about how we've been able to do this with um, Hubble images, we've been able to look at morphologies of galaxies out to not too far into the into the past. And of course, with infrared light, same story as with the very distant galaxies, we're going to be able to do this at e even earlier times in the universe. Um, and so, for example, what I would 
am looking forward to doing with this data is going in and finding all of those weird looking galaxies. Um, you know, the ones that aren't the typical spirals or ellipticals, the ones that have strange shapes uh, that show us that they're undergoing interactions and to be able to study those in detail, to see how they're forming stars, to see which ones have signatures of, of black hole growth. So those are the types of things that I'm really interested in. It's interesting that you bring up the the weird galaxies because I'm looking at one of the images, the Stephen's Quintet. Yes. The five galaxies that are arranged together. They look to be more like a family of jellyfish to me. Right. I've, that, I've heard several people describe it as looking like jellyfish. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So, so what is different about those? They, they don't, like you say, they don't look like your normal central casting spiral galaxies. Right, right. That particular image, Stephen's Quintet, is a great example of a closer um, version of this activity of galaxies merging. So what we see here, the four galaxies on the right side of the image are, are the compact group of galaxies that are undergoing interactions. The one on the left is a little bit in the foreground, but it's those four on the right that are actually actively engaged in a merger scenario. And you can see that, right? You can see the sort of wispy structures in between the two. Um, so that's a great uh, sort of closer example of the things I study um, in terms of what happens when galaxies merge. And you can see it, like you could see what's happening here uh, up close. It's really, really incredible. And why does looking in the infrared portion, which our eyes normally can't see, why does that show you more than we would see, for example, with the Hubble? So there's a few key things that infrared light gives us. The first, and what's really key to my area of research, is really just distance. Um, so I'm interested in star formation, and we see that primarily in ultraviolet light and a little bit of optical light. Um, and at high distances, that light is shifted into the infrared. And so it's sort of the same principle as why we need infrared light to see the very first galaxies that were born over 13 and a half billion years ago, is that the cosmic expansion of space has caused that light to be shifted, redshifted all the way into the infrared part of the spectrum. Wow, I didn't realize that. So you're able to see further back in time. Well, we haven't had time to really, really do detailed analysis on uh, this this deep field image yet. Um, and so we don't know if we've sort of broken the cosmic distance record. But what we do know, and one of the things that, you know, like really took my breath away when I first saw this data, um, is we have a spectrum. We have a, a galactic fingerprint of a galaxy whose light has been traveling for 13.1 billion years. Uh, so we have this pristine, beautiful spectrum that tells us for the first time ever what chemicals are in these extremely distant galaxies. And I think that this is the type of thing, this is the type of science that is really going to revolutionize our understanding of how galaxies really got their start. That's really cool. All that star stuff that we've been talking about for decades. I, I mentioned before that Stefan's Quintet is one of my favorites, and we were talking about that. But I found myself in awe of the Carina Nebula, an image that was not unlike we've seen coming from Hubble, but I mean, an image that drove home the point once again, just about how many stars and galaxy and dust and gas there is out there. I mean, in, in this image, you're looking at something that looks, as the caption says, looks like the cliff of a mountain range. Uh, weren't you the one at the news conference who blurted out, we don't even know what's going on over in here? <laughs> yeah, that that was me on the NASA broadcast. Yeah, it's just, 
this image is stunning. This is the one that made me cry uh, when I first saw it, to be honest. I mean, it's just it's just so beautiful, like on a human level. <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, digging into the science uh, to what's going on in this beautiful image. Yeah, there's just there's so much. Describe what's going on there. What are we what are we actually what is that brown stuff there, that wall made out of? The orangey uh, brownish stuff that you see, that is gas and dust. And then up above the region of gas and dust, up above that ridge, are these gigantic hot young stars that have these massive stellar winds. Radiation is coming off of these stars and it's sort of pushing down in on this region of gas and dust. And you sort of get that sense, right? This this image has so much texture and depth and you can see almost how how it's sort of pushing down um and of course all that stuff the gas and dust that's the raw material for new stars and baby planets and that's exactly what's happening here is that we think that the radiation from those hot young stars up above the ridge um, is causing new stars to form uh, in this region of gas and dust and you know, this gas and dust is the same kind of stuff that we know that our own solar system formed out of, that our Earth ultimately formed out of, and of course us. You know, it goes back to the, the classic Carl Sagan concept that we really are made of, of the same stuff that makes up the stars. Yeah, so people wonder where did all the stuff on Earth come from, and now we can see where it came from. We can see. This is a beautiful, beautiful example of... Um, of you know, the stuff that we're made of, that's literally in, literally in our bones, yeah. You know, there were a bunch of pretty pictures. We're looking at them, but there was one image that probably to the average person didn't look all that exciting, but was probably a very big deal to certain kinds of astronomers. And I'm talking about the image of a graph. Tell us about that one. The spectrum, yes, this spectrum, this fingerprint from the atmosphere of an exoplanet. This is absolutely incredible. Um, so of course, what we're seeing in this graph uh, is the light that's coming from uh, the atmosphere of a planet that is orbiting another star. And so um, these exoplanets, we now know that they're everywhere. That's something we didn't know when I was a kid. We didn't even know there were exoplanets, <laughs> but we now know that exoplanets are everywhere. and this telescope, I think, is poised to do some incredible groundbreaking science in exoplanets because we have never seen spectra in these wavelengths before. Um, so if you look at that particular uh, spectrum that was released this week, uh, we've been able to go out sort of about halfway in that spectrum uh, with Hubble um, to see a little bit of what's going on in these atmospheres, but this telescope is gonna allow us to do it in brand new ways at brand new wavelengths. And one of the key things we see in this spectrum is the signature of water vapor. Uh, and the details of the spectrum reveal new things about this particular planet. And so it's just, you know, it's awesome. Yeah, spectra aren't as pretty as the images, but the interesting thing, and this is, this is, this is really key, is that in the first year of observations, about 70% of the time is dedicated to spectroscopy. Wow. And so it's just so important um, to, because this is where the physics is. This is where the astrophysics is. We get to learn what objects in the universe are made of. Well, Dr. Strawn, I want to thank you for taking time to be with us today. I know you've had a very active week. We'll let you go decompress now. Thanks. This has been fun. What a week. 
Amber Strawn, Deputy Project Scientist for James Webb Space Telescope Science Communications and an astrophysicist at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland. Congratulations. We're looking forward to what you can find in the coming years. And once again, you can see the pictures we've been talking about at sciencefriday.com slash JWST.